0: want to continue with our our dinner table series and today uh, we've got two little things to think about one of them is um, setting the table what sort of things what's it going to be like setting the table Uh, trying to imagine this as an image or a, a way of describing what it means to be a church what what would you set on the table so There's one version of a tabletop, and we've shown you this before, and there's something about that that captures the sort of church we'd like to be, isn't it? All sorts of things going on, all sorts of things on offer, all sorts of different people engaging in whatever church means. Um, There's another version of what church could look like. I grew up in one like that. Yeah. Uh, Yes. Shoes had to be polished on Saturday night, yeah? One of those sorts of churches. Uh, and that's fair enough. And uh, it must admit, just looking at that did remind me of um, of this. Any color you want, so long as it's black, was apparently what Henry Ford said about the new car. Uh, so it was a wee bit like that. There's another version of, of a dinner table uh, that looks quite relaxed. People doing different sorts of things, trying things. Uh, one even way back, not looking as if not quite at the table, but nonetheless, uh, part of everything. And there's another version. We've, you've all been in a hotel, I'm sure, where you get up for breakfast, uh, and you really just help yourself. Whatever you'd like. You make up your own meal. Everything's on offer, uh, and you decide what way to put it together. And, um, that strangely is partly One of the way our culture has changed in the last 30, 40 years maybe is that nearly everything is an array of choices and we choose our own version of everything. We choose how our working week goes. Am I at home? Am I at work? When am I in? When am I out? Uh, In all sorts of ways that has become almost like our culture. The difficulty when you apply that to church is if everybody just chooses the bits they want uh, and then goes away and finds a table all on their own, The sense of community can begin to uh, be difficult to maintain, or to enjoy, or to get the benefit from, if you just fill your own plate uh, and go and eat it. Then there's an entirely different sort of uh, dinner table, because the dinner table's the ground. Uh, And people are there, and I'm guessing people away in the far left corner don't know the people in the bottom right corner, but nonetheless, they're all there. There's something they have in common. Uh, They're joining in with it, uh, but they're all participating in it in different ways. And then I've shown you this one before. I do like this. Because of the deliberate setting of places that don't yet have people sitting at them. Uh, That does appeal to me, something in that one. But anyway, the thing that uh, comes that we're faced with when we think about what what is what is the program of the ch- of a twenty first century church, what is that going to look like? Uh, and without always going back to what things were like in the past, but y- you have to compare with something. And um, I grew up in the sort of church where it was like the Downton Abbey—you all got exactly the same thing. And everybody was expected to be there at all the same thing. So you went the Sunday morning and then you went the Sunday night. And if you were tiny, you went to the Sunday school in the afternoon. When you were a bit older, you went to the Bible study on a Tuesday night. And um your level of your level of following Jesus Christ, if you could measure that in any way, was was as was no more complicated than did you turn up and everything. That's how people knew whether you were a follower of Jesus Christ or not. Did you turn up on everything? We don't live in a world that's anything like that anymore. It's not how we measure people's commitment of things. It's how often do they turn up. Uh, because the choices are there. And we've no way of knowing how people engage in the choices. But uh, we'll come back in a wee moment. But um, look at that for a set of road signs. Could you imagine driving up? trying to figure out where on earth am I meant to go? The one I thought was interesting was sort of slightly right to center and halfway up. It's actually a sign for a church in the middle of all of that. Doesn't that capture the world we're in? That uh, church faith is just one of a huge selection of stuff that's thrown down in front of us uh, to choose from. And uh, in some ways it in many ways, it just becomes one of the choices. The difficulty for uh, for us is that if this thing that we know as the church isn't just a human organization, if it's actually something started by God uh, as his way to bring his life and show his purposes and describe what he's like to the whole of the globe then it can't just be one of the choices. has to be something foundational about it to all of this or something umbrella-like to all of this. If this is the purposes of God being worked out, uh, they can't be reduced just to choices. And in case that's overwhelming, because that's obviously in America somewhere, (laughs) um, here's a version from near Cork. uh, And I've been to one. Well, I've certainly been to Skull, second one down on the right. Well, I've been to Crookhaven as well. Not sure of all those other, but they're mostly hotels and things, aren't they? But with choice, with great choice, I've changed the word slightly here. With great choice comes great responsibility. And we're living in a world where choice is all around us. About how we engage with whatever it is we're going to engage with. And faith and church are all a bit like that. But when we're trying to reach a world in the 21st century... Uh, We can't ignore this cultural dynamic. is that everybody wants choices for everything. Whether it's your phone or your car or your laptop or your clothes or your food or your timetable. Everything. We want a range of choices available to us. So part of how we're already doing that, and I'm sure we'll go on doing that, while you're all here, at 11 o'clock on a Sunday morning. There are people watching this on a screen somewhere. And uh, we got a message back a couple of weeks ago from somebody who hasn't been able to be here for a couple of weeks uh, because of a health situation uh, and described that we camera as a lifeline. Yeah, so this as a choice is becoming a necessity for us uh, to continue running this. Uh, You may be, if you're somebody who likes things a wee bit quieter or whatever, you could even be sitting out in that other room at the minute. Another choice is available, Uh, sitting out there quietly or being able to play with your toddlers. Um, That's yet another choice. You could be watching this later in the week. Uh, Someone also reflected a wee while ago about being able to watch our Sunday morning service with an elderly relative at another time in the week because they can get there screen out, sit down, hit the buttons, and watch it together, because the other relative can't be here. So, yet again, another choice. We also offer another choice on a Thursday morning, uh, with a much quieter... um, probably the most liturgical of all our services in the week. And tonight we will offer the least liturgical in that spoken word sense. Tonight at seven o'clock where we're here for an hour for worship. And about 45 minutes of that is music and singing. So again, offering choices. And as we go into the future, I'm sure that's part of of laying this table in a 21st century world. Uh, It means making sure there are lots of choices. But with choices come great responsibility. Because we have no way of knowing. And in actual fact, we don't want to have a way of checking uh, what choices everybody is making. Uh, We certainly do not want to create any sense of wanting to check up on people uh, to see what their commitments to anything are like. The choices are out there for all of us. But it brings great responsibility because we have to think... Well, what? how am I going to put the choices together? How am I going to make this thing work? How am I going to do it real? And one of the other choices, I thought this would be very clever, see if this works. I have a, a pray app on my phone. Oh, God, make speed to save us. Oh, like that. I can pray in the car. I want to go push a button uh, and I get a different service every day. <laughs> Prayers and Bible readings. The choices are all out there in front of us. And we're living in a world where people want choices. It's how our world works. And uh, we have to provide those and allow people to decide which ones they're going to go with. And how they're going to put their meal together. Because not everybody anymore is prepared to do the Downton Abbey meal. We all just get the same. Uh, We're going to want to put things, and of course we have different personalities. We're at different stages in our faith, different stages in our lives, uh, different ways that we want to engage with everything. So that is part of our future, is the constant provision of choice for people. But we also have to throw out there that responsibility then lands on the chooser to decide what is it uh, that I will pick out of this great array of things that are around me. Second thing I thought today we need to think about as well as just laying the table is what condiments would we put on the table? Uh, And condiments apparently enhance the flavor. So whatever the food is that's on offer, um, there are different things you can add. There's salt and pepper there, but there could be any number of things that you might want to add uh, to your meal to uh, create flavor in that. Now, I want to... um, because I think we've already chosen some of these flavors. And I want to illustrate this for you. Could I, uh, could I read to you from Luke chapter 2? There's a bit coming up on the screen, but I'll read what happens before it. Uh, every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the feast of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the feast according to the custom. After the feast was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. Thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they didn't find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching for me? me, He asked. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? Or another translation about my father's business. But they didn't understand what he was saying to them. So throw yourself back into the Christmas story. Uh, The last we see of Jesus is uh, running off into the night. and Sorry, he wasn't running off, he was a baby. uh, Being carried off by parents who were running off into the night uh, with the sound of the horses and the clanking of armor of the Roman soldiers in the background somewhere as they fled from Bethlehem off to egypt far far away to live as refugees and we hear nothing more about this little child until he's 12 years of age yeah and at 12 years of age we see him doing something that is obviously part of the family pattern because every year his parents went up to jerusalem for the festival and they took jesus along now allow for this being 12 year old jewish boy this may have linked in with bar mitzvah, something of coming of age, of, of that beginning to change from child to, we would say, adolescent, but they would start to think in terms of adult. And there's a, there is a change. Something happens in Jesus at this festival. As illustrated by the fact that it says right at the end of this story, his parents didn't understand Right? They couldn't figure it out. But Jesus has changed, I'm guessing. Little toddler, four-year-old, six-year-old, eight-year-old, ten-year-old, growing up in Nazareth, growing up around the carpenters' workshop and their own wee house, and maybe they had a wee bit of garden and grew some vegetables, whatever it was. He was in the midst of it all, like all the other kids, going to synagogue, going to school, uh, learning from the local rabbi, all those sorts of things. And as a 12 year old in the temple, his sense of belonging to the Mary Joseph family takes a switch to his sense and his destiny and his future seems to have turned to God. Do you not know I should be in my father's house? Can you imagine Joseph going, he is twigged onto something here? Yeah. I might be daddy, but he has figured out father, who father is. And something has changed in him that requires them to start rethinking things. And of course, Jesus is now rethinking things and starting to learn more and starting to grow into, and it is going to take another couple of decades, um, but he is going to do something quite amazing. So I want to uh, show you two pictures. And one of them is something that has changed. And you've already changed. Okay? If you look at that, you can probably guess where that is, that big red dot. You're sitting in it. Yeah? Okay. And you can see the carriageway coming from top to the right a wee bit, running right down past us, Tesco on the right, on the left, if you were driving down the ways. Uh, and then you get to the end of the road down here and you turn right down to, you can see Crown Plaza just over at the edge of the picture and the lagging and all of that. So uh, that's, that's what it means to go to church. And you've all done that today. You've come to church. We're all sitting there in that spot. Now, 50 years ago, you would all have walked in, probably, into that red spot. So here's a change in thinking that has already gone on in your head. I no longer go to church. I am the church. Because that's our congregation from Monday to Saturday. That's us for an hour and a half, two hours on Sunday. But that's us the rest of the week. And we've already made this shift in our minds You've driven, and I'm not encouraging you to go and try others, by the way, right? But you've driven, driven past any number of churches to get to this one this morning. Um, during the week, you will cross the city to work. Teenagers cross the city to go to schools, sports, shopping, haircuts, where you get your teeth fixed. Uh, we zigzag all over the place. That's our world now we're now living in. So what does it mean to be this church? Rather than that church. Because without, without us meaning to, we've actually changed from that one to this one. We now are the church. We don't just go to church. We are the church. And could I share with you the, I think I have found the church that is best at doing this. And back, back in COVID days, we just called this scattered, whereas we call that gathered. Yeah. But that's, this is where we live our lives. And I've, I've just guessed some of these from uh, where I know some of you live. That isn't everybody, and I may have missed some obvious ones, so sorry about that. But look at that. We've got missionaries away out on the side of Loch Nair. <laughs> Okay. Look <laughs> at that way up top left. That's amazing. Wonderful. Here's the best church in the country. Okay. Yes. Because every member of that goes to church for one hour a week. Yeah? but every member of that knows that they can't stop when they come out the door. Is this right? Yes? (laughs) And you know what? They're the most boring church you've ever met. The number of times in my week I have to sit and listen to people talking about their church, about the sins that they're committing, uh, about the things they find to eat, about you could put this cheese with no flavor in it, or you could put... Uh, something else in it that has no flavor and no value and no goodness Uh, and it'll turn you all into Amazonian princesses and princesses. But the people in this church believe in it. They think this is changing their lives. Sorry, <laughs> they think it's changing their lives. <laughs> if it changed their lives, everybody would have done it. But it is. It's partly you believe in it. People in this Slimming World Church believe in it. Enough to talk about it and gossip it and to be it all week. And they are it all week. So we were out with our family yesterday. It was Janice's birthday. And we were having food together and... The Slimming World Church members in our family were counting things up, and I can only have three chips, and I can't eat that. And I mean, they're, they're absolutely non-stop. They're quoting their Bible verses at us all the time. <laughs> right? There's something about that in that. That we carry this gospel with us. And part of a 21st church is that it is scattered. There's no doubt about it. We're scattered. Uh, We do get together for things, but most of our lives are scattered. And we have to begin to think, what is it like to be that sort of church? So am I the center for prayer and the place where I work? uh you know do people come to me like we do in church we have a prayer line we have an email group we have a whatsapp group where people put in their prayer requests but when you're that church where do people put their prayer requests where do people turn if they need help with their electricity or they can't afford to buy the shopping this week uh, or some they're anxious about something because that's what it means to be that church. We take it with us. And our culture has made us into that church, and therefore we need to begin to grasp what it might mean to be that one. What that's going to look like. Touching hearts and changing lives. Okay. What happened to losing weight? <laughs> uh, Wow! So anyway, I, have, you, I just don't want you all going out and joining that, okay, yes. Or if you do, but just keep it to yourself, right? Don't tell everybody, okay? Right. I'm actually going to stop there. I think today. Um, I'll stop with this quote from Michelangelo. Many believe, and I believe. That I have been designated for this work by God. In spite of my old age, I do not want to give it up. I work out of love for God and I put all my hope in Him. Well, Lord, would you help us this morning in the days, weeks, months, all that's left of our lives, to try to grasp what it means to not just go to church. But to be the church, uh, to live your life wherever we are, uh, to try to be salt in this world that is so different uh, from the worlds we grew up in or the world you grew up in.